0: The halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique matter. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric, and as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier hysterics, Hoosier hysterics, Hoosier hysterics. The end of one era, the beginning of another.
1: Ooh, you're starting with, like, a uh, theme for our interview today. What'd you think? I liked it. It's a different way to go, and I like it.
0: A little grandiose.
1: What would be the theme for the event coming up on November 16th?
0: The beginning of a new era.
1: Ooh, which connects all the eras. Yes. I mean, when you, you know?
0: The era connector.
1: It is the Hoosier Hysterics homecoming event, Where will it be, Ward? At the Bluebird? The Hysterics
0: are playing the Bluebird. How did we get the bird? I
1: don't know. You know Wilco played the Bluebird. Oh, I do. Yeah. And so will the Hysterics. (laughs) It's just so dumb.
0: (laughs) Right before we're signed by a major label.
1: It is so dumb. And uh, part of the reason that we're able to get things like the Bluebird and do this event is because we are
0: powered by Pigs.
1: Oh, I, I no. got. I know, I had nothing. I didn't prepare a song. People don't like the siren call. I, I could see the defeat. Yeah, I'm sad about it. I'm sad about it.
0: I, I want you to stand up for the siren call. Is that what you That's what I'm that? calling
1: it, the <laughs> siren call. I wonder how- I miss it already. I wonder how Mike feels about the siren call.
0: We should we, ask him. We could ask him in person on November 16th.
1: By the way, I was talking to Mike last night, and he asked- uh, he said, so you're going to set some tickets aside for our staff for uh, this event, right? I'm like, yeah, Mike, you can come to the event. Yes. So uh, I, I believe the uh, Peagues royalty will be there, which will be
0: really fun. I have a feeling they're going to want, like, bottle service at a table by themselves. Behind a red velvet a red, rope. <laughs> Yep. A yep. And maybe they'll have, you know. One of the new guys, uh Trevor. St- yes, Trevor's just gonna be standing standing guard. Yeah. With a list, only letting Pig staff in. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Rabbi just popping champagne. Yeah. Dom, you know. <laughs> uh yeah, well look, uh The basketball season, by the time this podcast airs, the basketball season is upon us. This will be after Hoosier Hysteria. We will be approaching our first game.
0: Garcia will have committed. Oh, God. I don't even want to get too excited (laughs) about
1: that. Uh, that
0: I don't like jinxing it. That was to see the physical hit to your body when I said that. I don't feel great about that one. I feel great that we're in that conversation.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's fun to be in the fight. And and
0: I feel we're legitimately in that. Which and a is, lot of point cards.
1: Like, I mean, who knows? By the time this airs, maybe a point card will have made a decision for 2020.
0: We don't that, know. That's true. Yeah, Hassan,
1: perhaps. Yeah, and let's also not forget that Hoosier Hysteria, which is now behind us uh, when this podcast airs. This is real weird. It's a real time warp.
0: Yeah, well, and I'm playing out in my head, well, we're going to have a few banked now. What What order is Eric thinking?
1: And Christian Lander had his official visit. So,
0: hope it went well.
1: (laughs) I am so excited for this conversation that we're about to have today. This has been like something you and I have talked about for a long time, is reaching back into the history of IU. And, you know, the earliest people we have done to this point are Laskowski and Jim Mm Cruz, which are Bob Knight guys. Right. And now we get to talk to someone who predates Bobby Knight. And simply put is one of the best basketball players to ever wear Indiana across his chest. And I don't think he gets the credit that many others get because he didn't play uh, all four or three years for night, and there's no national championship banner. But, man,
0: is this guy a stud. It's one of those, a name you've heard, right, always. It's just been one from the recesses of the minds, parents, grandparents, Great, yeah, clearly that guy was an all time great, but then, oh, we're gonna talk to him. We really need to dig in and find out the details on his greatness, and they are shocking.
1: They are shocking, and his story is sensational. So let's get to it.
0: Who's your hysterics? Who's your hysterics? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have a very, 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 very special guest today, Eric. Uh, I think you have some interesting things to share with our listeners about who our guest is.
1: We are talking to a gentleman today from George Washington High School in Indianapolis where he won a state title. He was an Indiana All-Star after his senior year in high school. At Indiana, he became an All-American. He became the Big Ten MVP. He's a Big Ten champion. He made it to a Final Four. He's fifth all-time in rebounds at Indiana University. He has the second-best rebounding season of all time in Indiana. Now get ready for this stat. He owns the record. For the 3rd, 6th, 8th, 13th, 17th, 23rd, 40th, and 55th best rebounding games ever at Indiana. (laughs) He had the best junior season in rebounds of all time. He has the single game record for rebounds at Assembly Hall. He has the best game all time in blocks. He is the best all time at Assembly Hall in field goals made with 18. He is the third best single game of all time with 19 made against Kentucky. Yes. He is fifth all time in double doubles with 43 double doubles in only three seasons of playing. He is third all time in number of 20.10 rebound games. He is the owner of one of only two triple doubles in the history of Indiana University.
0: The first one.
1: He is the first one which lasted for a long time. He is an iu hall of fame inductee in 2009 he has a career average of 16.1 points and 11.7 rebounds a game please welcome one of the greatest players to ever ever wear indiana across his chest the great steve downing (laughs) well Thank you so much for that introduction. <laughs> how did it feel hearing of all stuff. of those? How did it feel hearing all of those accolades?
2: Well, a lot of it, to be quite frank, which I didn't even know. I didn't <laughs> even know that. <laughs> well, know. good.
1: Uh, I, I appreciate that. Yes. Uh, Well, before we get started, I have to say I'm a little nervous talking to you because I just have such tremendous respect and admiration for you. I have been hearing stories about you since I was a wee kid because my father, who went to Indiana at the same time, around the same time you did, has been telling me stories of how just incredible of a player you were. I don't know what to call you. I want to call you Sir, Mr. Downing. What would you like us to call
2: you? Steve. Steve is good.
1: Okay, and that's going to be hard for me, but I will try. <laughs> okay. All right, Steve. Yeah. Do us a favor. Tell everybody in Hoosier Nation what you are up to right now. What is going on in your life? Tell us uh, about your job and uh, and just where you are in life.
2: Okay. Right now, this is my ninth year. Uh, all of my prior experience has been at the Division One level, and uh, working in athletic administration, and currently uh, this is my ninth year at a small NAIA school in Indianapolis. Uh, I'm the athletic director here, and it works out really great because I grew up here in Indianapolis, and the school is only like two or three miles from where I actually grew up at. So it's been a great experience here being athletic director, so
1: the good things here. You're being modest, by the way, by you know saying it's a small school. I get that, but why don't you tell everybody how many national championships you've brought to the school since your tenure started?
2: Well, yes, yeah, you know we've bought two national championships here in football. Uh, we've been in the championship, the finals, one other year. We won two consecutive women's national championships. Our softball team was in the World Series, finished fifth last year. Uh, we sent track. Uh, athletes to nationals and so and uh, we have an outstanding cycling program that have won 46 national championships so you know we have uh i've hired some really good coaches here and you know we've just been able to put them in a position uh to do their job to win
1: well whatever you're doing is working so that that is remarkable
0: now you (laughs) grew up in indianapolis in the 1950s at the same time the big o oscar robertson was doing something pretty special at Crispus Attucks High School. Were you aware of that? Did you ever watch those games?
2: Well, it was kind of that way. Uh, My father and grandfather, you know, back in those days in the 50s uh, when I was growing up, They followed those addicts' teams, and they used to take me as a little boy, you know, to those games, and uh, that's kind of where I initially fell in love with basketball, but I played it a lot, but, you know, I didn't start growing. (laughs) Basketball changed for me once I got to high school when I hit a growth and everything changed for me uh, as a player, but initially, you know, everybody played basketball on the playgrounds in the parks and so that was kind of my introduction to basketball, but following Oscar Robinson, I always wanted to be like Oscar Robinson because I watched him uh, as a high school
0: player. Was that something, even as a young kid, you could just see how incredible his talent was?
2: Well, for him, yes, you know, and uh back then it was a different time where you know people didn't have a whole bunch to do but watch basketball and
0: uh
2: so we that that's what we did and everybody wanted to be like uh oscar and you know i've told him this story too you know later years oscar you know how much i admired him and how much uh, you know i would like to be like him but uh yeah, back then, it was just a different time. And so basketball was a premium, especially in Indiana. You know, basketball is a big thing here. Still is.
1: My my dad grew up in Gary and was uh, – he, he grew up actually in East Chicago and then moved to Gary, but he always considered himself an East Chicago guy. And he told me how important, even when he was in the junior high and elementary school, how important it was when East Chicago, Washington, won state titles. And it was just incredible – in 1965, the high school that you would ultimately go to won a state title. Do you remember that being a big deal when when Washington won a uh, state title in, in
2: 1965? Yeah, I do, because uh, uh, I was actually when they won that thing, I was a freshman. But, you know, here's something that's interesting. We were actually, George McGinnis and myself, a teammate of mine, were actually supposed to go to Attucks, you know, oh. and they changed the district in you know, our, our eighth grade year. And so we had to go to Washington. And really, for me, when they won that title in 65, uh, it didn't really mean a whole bunch to me because uh, at that point, I was just only 5'11". Okay, and so <laughs> it really... And I was on the freshman team, but it didn't really take have that much significance, to be honest with you, because I wasn't really, uh, I was just a member of the team, the freshman team.
1: And just, I want to be clear here. You were 5'11 your freshman year, and then by your senior year, you were 6'8? Is that right? Yes. Oh. That's right. That's right. That and, is, and, and, what were you eating? It. What were you eating at that time? No, it, <laughs> I want to give
0: it to my kid. I know.
2: No, I don't know. I just have—I do have uh, tall grandparents, and uh, but, but just I don't know it because I have ten brothers and sisters, and I'm the only one that grew like that. So I don't know the answer, but it caused me a lot of problems in later years because growing that fast, your knees and shins—I mean, you do have issues that way because I did grow too fast.
1: Right. Uh, you mentioned him, so I just have to know when did you meet George McGinnis for the first time? <laughs>
2: George has been big, it seemed like, for ever since I knew him. Uh, I met him. We used to, he lived at that time before he moved in my area, um, neighborhood. uh, He lived in an area called Lockfield, which is across a bridge. And first time I ever met him, we played football against him. You know, our. Our side of town played their side of town at the park in football, and he was always bigger. We always thought he was older than what he was, and he should have been playing in the game uh, against <laughs> us. But that—that—that that, that was my first meeting
0: playing football against him as a eighth grader and in, and in grade school. And do you remember the first time you guys played basketball together?
2: Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, we were—he was also on a freshman team with us and. That's when I met him, you know, at five eleven. And, you know, we kid him I kid him quite a bit because he didn't he didn't think I was any good. <laughs> and he used to he used to tease me quite a bit. Uh, but you know, as I start growing and things change a little bit, uh, we gotta be great friends. We still are. Uh,
1: I have to ask you if you remember a basketball court called Meadowwood Park.
2: Yes. Yes, that's where every metalwood is where everybody, you know, as a kid, even in the 8th grade, that's where everybody played at and all. That was everybody's goal to get chosen. There was so many people out there. You know you made it if you got chosen, you know, to play, you know, Uh, Because there were great players out there, you know. We played out there, and
0: that—that was everybody played at metalwood If you could play in Indianapolis, that's where you played at. Well, and Orient, I'm I'm from Peru, Indiana originally, but I'm not quite sure where where was Washington High School, or is it? And where where is this park? Where did you guys grow up?
2: Well, we grew up in an area. It's in a city area. And it's called Hallville, okay. He moved he moved out there in my area, my neighborhood, uh, as a freshman, okay. George did and that's where we kinda grew up and it was a tough area, you know, the crime and uh, things like, and it still is that way, but, you know, Meadowwood Park represented a change of pace because it was out on the west side of town, you know, it was a great neighborhood, you know, it was primarily a white neighborhood too, and, and, you know, that many black players, but people understood what they were coming out there for, so we didn't have any issues like that, but that was just a higher class of town where Meadowwood Park was, uh, and they had goals like you know, the goals we played on didn't have nets or anything. And so they had all that stuff, and it was just a great court. And so everybody who played, or if you were anybody, you headed to Meadowwood.
1: Do you remember the first time you were, or around the first time you were chosen to play at Meadowwood? A- absolutely absolutely tell us tell it us made
2: that. my day de- it was up I, I was a junior I, I didn't get to play out there till i was a junior in high school you know i mean yeah i played but i had to wait you know wait my turn you know when right. you got a game which somebody lost and you choose squads you know but the first time i got picked was as a junior you know out there Whoa. somebody knew who i was and uh, and I got chosen, so I do remember that.
0: It was it wasn't enough that you were like six eight by your junior year. Like you had to actually know somebody to get the call.
2: Yeah, well, then that, that's the thing too. When you, they're not gonna choose a five eleven guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was tall. I was taller than most of the guys. A lot of the guys out there that played against. And so, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we had some good teams. And really, I got a lot of attention because uh, I played with McGinnis and he was a tremendous player.
1: Yeah. Talk to us a little bit. We have not uh, had the pleasure of talking to anyone on our podcast yet who played with George. Tell us just what your perception of him was when you got to see him really come into his own as a basketball player. What was he like?
2: Well, I was there from the beginning, and to watch that train—you always knew he was good. You know, even as an eighth grader, ninth grader, you knew he had talent, and he was going because he had a man's body too. But he could do things that no one else could do, and but he was really good with me. Um, Again, what I loved about George—I mean, he's a competitor. And growing up, I mean, if he could beat you by 100 points, he'd beat you by 100 points. So you really had to to play against him. And for me, at that play, I wasn't really scared. George helped me for a lot of ways, okay, when I tell you this, because I had to play against him every day. And I knew that if I could stay on the court, if I didn't get embarrassed by him, that I would be a pretty good player because I thought he was one of the best players of all time. Uh, and he's certainly the best player I have ever played against or with. So, but he was a kind guy, and and he just he really helped me as a player just because he was so good. And I played against him, and he'd tell me when I made mistakes, or he'd tell me when I was uh, the things that would help me get better as a player.
1: Now, the thing that I have heard about you from uh, a few people who knew you in your playing days was. They all say the same thing. Nicest guy off the court, but you were a ferocious player on the court. Extremely competitive. No one worked harder. You said before that you came from a family of 10 brothers and sisters. Did that competitiveness come from just being one of 10 and, and or one of 11, I should say, and having to kind of fight your way to get what you got? Or wh- where did that come
0: from? <laughs>
2: Well, I, I attribute that to my family primarily. I mean, just the way we grew up because we didn't have anything and we had to work. You know, my father had to work for everything he got, and he, he always instilled that in me, you know, like that, you know, if you're going to be good at that, or if it's worth the effort, you want to be the best that, uh, that you can in it. And, you know, later on when you start talking about Coach Knight, I, I will tell you that will come out because that's the, the way he does. And, and for me, really – The best two things that ever happened in my career that helped me more than anything, or I wouldn't be talking now, would be George McGinnis and Coach Knight, the Mm -hmm. two biggest influences in my own development as a player. And so, again, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, I want to win. You yeah. know what I mean, <laughs> and I played hard because I didn't I didn't have the talent I didn't, I knew I didn't. You know, the be- the hardest thing to do is be realistic with yourself. You can work on things and hard as you want to, but hey, for myself I was realistic. I knew I wasn't going to be a 3-point shooter, I wasn't going to So I didn't I tried to work on the things that I knew I could do well. Uh, and in high school I was a defensive player and that's what I tried to do play defense because I wanted to play and I wanted to go to college and that was the only way I knew I'd go to college is uh, a
0: scholarship And so yeah basketball was important that's great now to take a step back pre-Bobby Knight when you were growing up what did Indiana University mean to you and to George if anything uh, as you were starting to get into basketball in your high school years
2: Well, Indiana University meant nothing to me, primarily, really, to be honest with you. Sure. It mean absolutely, because I didn't really know anything about it. It took on significance for George and myself. They actually hired our high school coach uh, our junior year in high school, and so we started looking at them a little bit more closely. We were going to go to school together wherever it was going to be at. We wanted to play together, and we looked at other schools, Uh, but, you know, uh, once he went there, we really loved our high school coach, uh, Jerry Oliver. And so we kind of uh, followed him.
0: Now, uh, we don't want to skip ahead, but I have to ask on that point, did they hire Jerry Oliver to get an early start with you guys on recruitment or was it not that sophisticated back then?
2: Now, well, they knew that. I mean, they hired him <laughs> yeah. to get us. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the hottest of this truth. Yeah, you know, I, you know, in the eighth, in the fifth or sixth grade, you talked about that. I, I can remember Walt Bellamy was a player who played at Indiana, and he did his um, uh, student teaching at my grade school, huh. and that was my first notice of Indiana. You know, because he said he played it at basketball in Indiana, but beyond that. Nope, Jerry Oliver going there was a thing for me.
1: Did you have any relationship uh, or did any relationship start with Coach Lou Watson at the time? or was your connection to Indiana primarily through Coach Oliver?
2: It was It was Coach Oliver. I didn't know I knew who he, uh, Lou Watson was but uh, I trusted Coach Oliver and what he did and said because he spent an awful lot of time in my development in the summers. He worked with me, and I I give him a lot of the credit of the time he spent with me. Uh, So I really trusted him, and George did also.
0: And in that time you spent with him, you guys had a great team your junior year when he was still your coach. Uh, There was some hope that you guys would be competing for or winning the state title that year. You did not. You lost in the regionals. How did that affect you and George and the team going into your senior year, which would be a historic senior year?
2: Well, we knew we gave one away. We thought we were good enough to win both years. The team that beat us, Short Ridge, we had beaten them twice, you know. Uh, The last game we played them, they pressed. We didn't have guards at my junior year, and they pressed us. They didn't do that in the other two games. And and, uh, so that was losing that game. They went to the championship game that year. You know, we were better than them, but, you know, it's a one-time deal. But we all promised us, and and that whole we dedicated ourselves uh, to next year, not let anything happen like that. You know, that we'd lose a game to a team we were better than, and we, we worked at it. You know, we used to go out to Hinkle Field House, and George tells it all the time, you know, in, in grade school. You know, just the, we never been in there. We just go out there to listen, you know, like uh, the, the, when they had games, the high school games out there, the city tournament, and so that was our dream. Everybody wanted to win a state championship, but I think losing is the thing that propelled us the next year, in answer to the question, to win a, a state championship. Losing
0: that game and 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 so you said you were determined your senior year not to lose to a team that you were better than so apparently you were better than every team you played your senior year you guys go (laughs) 31 and 0 but your new coach bill green who took over for jerry oliver he's a hall of famer he ends up winning more state titles than any other any other coach in indiana high school history but i heard he had a special culinary motivation for you guys to win games is that true (laughs) That is true. He said it. every game, if we won it, he'd take us to White Castle, okay?
2: Yes. Uh, you guys out there may not be familiar with No, we with know that. it. We
1: know it. We're Words we're, we're, an Indiana, kid, and I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. We know White Castle.
0: It's a, it's a stop every time oh, we, we come home. We all love that. I mean, he did that every game. <laughs> he'd take
2: us to White Castle. <laughs> that was a big thing back then.
0: Uh,
1: Steve, I have oh, to tell yeah. you, my uh, in my job – I make sure that the freezer has stocked frozen White Castle burgers. We're able to get yeah. frozen White Castle, so they are in our freezer all the time.
2: Well, you know, when I keep when I was in Texas I, before coming here, I used
0: to get them. I kept them in my freezer too because yes. I love them, and to this day, I love White oh,
1: Castle. With you.
0: <laughs> They well, they fuel the thirty-one and old state title.
1: But I, I want to ask a question because uh, having. You and George on the same high school team—it's just unfair. That should be enough, right I there. Mean, that's incredible. But the guy that doesn't get uh-huh. some some mention, uh, and and I have to give credit to uh, a great Hoosier and historian William Murphy, who really gave me a lot of context uh, for you and your oh, and okay. your career. But he brought up a guy by the name of Wayne Pack, who was also on your team. That and I believe yeah. Wayne had a professional basketball career as well. And if that's true, yeah. you have three professional basketball players on a high school team in the central Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how good yeah. were you guys? Well, we were good. We were very good, <laughs> and we
2: were very competitive, too. Everybody was competitive, you know. And so, you know, what Coach Green would do was split us up and practice every game, practice. You know, Wayne Pack. and I was really close. I, and see, Wayne Pack did not play his junior year. He was not on the team. And I, I went to, when Coach Oliver left and Bill Green got the job head coach. I went to him and I said, hey, we got to have Wayne Pack. I mean, he's a good player. And um, so he only played one year, but he was valuable because he could shoot and he could dribble the ball and he could pass the ball. So yeah, he was instrumental in us winning that. As you say, to have three guys like that. And then we had another guard. We had two other guys that were pretty good too. Division one players too. Wow!
1: So, so yeah. walk us through the state championship game. Just what do you remember of that game? What was? What did it feel like? Just give us some memories from that game.
0: Because this is it. it winning well, the state title for single class Indiana high school basketball is is what we're all chasing ever since we've seen Hoosiers. But yeah. you actually won.
2: We have won, but you know what? Uh, The way they do it, you have to win two games in one day. It's a morning game, then it's a night game. And what I remember most is that it was the afternoon game uh, because we had to play the number two team in the state, Marion, and they led for most of that game. They were a good team. They matched up really well with us because they had guys – George's size and my size, not as good, but they were just big guys and we didn't play as well. And we went down to the last second to win that game. It was a close game. Uh, what I remember about the championship game is we were up by 20 on this team, a Gary team, Gary than who it was, and they just didn't, they weren't that big. And, you know, After we beat Marion in the afternoon, I mean, we all felt pretty good about the night, you know, as far as the dream accomplishment. I mean, we really felt good going into that championship game. But what I remember the most was just, uh, if you can think about this, just after you accomplished something standing on the floor after the game was over with with that state championship trophy, I mean it was just kind of a letdown and it wasn't anything else to do, you know, at that <laughs> point, okay. We accomplished. I mean we were the best. We were the best. And so yes, I remember holding that trophy is what I remember most. Standing on the floor Taking the picture, we took a team picture out there, and how just how everybody was hugging the reaction, all the fans that were on the court. So that is a memory I will always have do for you, the rest of my life.
1: Do you happen to remember your stats from that game?
2: Um, yeah, that game, I, you know, it, I, I think I had like nineteen points and fifteen rebounds, or nice. something in that area. Yeah, you I, know, George had a he had a big game. George had a big game.
1: Well, so then you after you win the state title, you take the picture. There's nothing left to do, but you are an Indiana All-Star, and you get to play. I'm bringing this up because there's a specific story I was told that I'm curious if you know about, that the Indiana All-Stars play the Kentucky All-Stars. You play one game in Indiana and one game in Kentucky. You beat yeah. them in Indiana, but then I was told that someone on the Kentucky team was heard saying, and it got reported, that George was overrated. Do you know this story? Yeah.
2: Joe Vasquez was his name, a okay. Kentucky player. He said he was overrated, and he's gonna sh- he's gonna show you, he's gonna prove it or show you at the next game down in Louisville. And he that actually was in the paper, and so and I knew George, and I said, hey, you know, I took him a little quote. I said, hey, what do you think it is? to his room? We, we had, you know. We were in the room, I said, Hey, what do you think of this, George? You know, he said you're over you know, and he had the best game he's ever twenty three points. a uh, fifty three points and thirty rebounds yeah. in that oh, game. Fifty three points All, and thirty All-star rebounds. Oh, <laughs> man, that's still that's still that's still the record. I don't think You he... know, I told him, I said, George, in an ordinary year, you know, I would have won because I had a great game. <laughs> you know, I had twenty rebound twenty one rebounds <laughs> Twenty points. I mean, damn. But I mean, that's just amazing. Uh, that yes, I remember. That. And they had Kentucky had a great All Star team too. They had a good team that year.
1: Steve, I'm curious about something that that I think um, is relevant to today's player. We all we hear in recruiting battles today about how kids want to be the man, and it's so important for a kid to go to a school where he's going to get playing time right away and he's going to be the focal point. You were a great basketball player and yet you seem to just have zero problem knowing that george was a special talent and you seem to to enjoy it you revel in it that you joke about how you have great games but george has the better games what was it about you that well, gave you the humility and the maturity to just accept your role in that relationship what what is the secret sauce well, there
2: well it is the Again, I wasn't great. I was a good player, and I knew where I stood, and I knew George was great. And, you know, it's like my high school coach told me. That that our uh, high school undefeated team, he told me, Bill Green, he said, Steve, we got, you're playing with a great player. You know, you're okay, and I'm not going to run any plays for you. If you score, <laughs> you're going to have to rebound. And that's what he told me. I averaged 21 rebounds a game. But, I mean – I I wanted to win, and and, and that was the bottom line, you know, and Coach Knight always told me, you know, he said, hey, you know, if you lose, there's nothing. There's going to always be a lot of glory associated with winning, you know, and I didn't care how we did it. I really didn't. You know, I played with George a lot of years, and I know he knew how to win, and so to me – if we lose, you're probably not talking to me now, okay? We're not doing this interview. Cause, I mean, you're talking because I've had some success. And so even at a young age, you're right. I mean, and, 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 and it's to my credit that I didn't go out there and say, hey, I'm just as good as George. I mean, I can score or just shoot it every time. No, no. We're going to get the ball in the hands of a guy, our best player, and I understood that if he was that. So I was just glad to be his
0: teammate. So it's time to make a decision where you guys are going to go, and uh, uh, Coach Oliver's giving you the pitch for Bloomington. What what goes into that decision and and the final call to go down there and become a Hoosier?
2: Well, what went into it, it was close. They hadn't won anything, okay, at Indiana, okay, and that was the pitch. You'd be a part of something really good that they haven't been able to do or duplicate here in a long time. You know, we looked at Purdue. Two of the people off the uh, 65 team, Bill Keller and Ralph Taylor, played at Purdue, and so we had a lot of interest in Purdue also. But the final line was, you know, trying to do something that hadn't been done. Purdue had had Rick Mount; they had done a lot of good things there. Is to do something really good close to home, and with our head coach there, that was the the, the, the decision maker right there.
1: And to set the context a little bit, because I think anybody who's an Indiana fan of the last 20 years, really since Coach Knight left, understands not winning much. I mean, we we get it. It's happened way too often. <laughs> yeah. But he, there's a huge difference between what was what's happened in the last 20 years and what the era of Indiana basketball was when you were there. The last 20 years, we haven't won much, but Indiana basketball was still relevant. People still cared. Assembly right. Hall still was packed. Right. I... I understand that in those years we're really talking about the 60s and mid to late 60s there was an apathetic attitude towards Indiana basketball you could my dad says this to me all the time He said Eric when I was a freshman and sophomore and a junior (laughs) I could wake up on a Saturday there was a game Saturday afternoon I could go sit on the bench if I wanted to no one cared about Indiana basketball until you and George showed up to campus and so You're you come to Indiana University and freshmen aren't allowed to play. So you have to sit there for a year. Lou, um, that year is the year that your high school coach is coaching Indiana because Lou Watson has back surgery. Right. Um, Yeah. And again, just to set a little context. The Hoosiers back then were known as the Huron Hoosiers, right? It was fast break right. up tempo games, yep, game. yep. Did, up and down, yep did that appeal to you and George? Was that part of the uh of the lure of Indiana? No, not
2: really, know, okay. I thought the lure of Indiana was just as I told you to try to change something. I thought really going in that they would change some of that because we had guys who were different type of players, you know, two big guys that could play you know, and that they would tailor the game to maybe how we played it, okay, you know, way George right. and I played. Because, uh, you know, we were different type of players. But they still, I mean, we still tried to run up and down the court like they did without playing a lot of defense. So, you know, it was just so much enthusiasm. I would tell you, uh, as you said, going down there, just the whole community and in town since the whole different day, uh, the – the day George and I checked in on campus. So, again, it it was a good experience.
1: It was good. So your recruiting class, like everybody loves to talk about recruiting classes. First of all, if there's ever a recruiting class with George McGinnis and Steve Downing in it, you're the best recruiting class in the country. But you guys had, it was you and George, Jerry Memering, Bootsy White, Frank Wilson, John Ritter, Kim Pemberton, all from Indiana, by the way. All Indiana kids. And then one, I believe, Ed Daniels from Georgia. Georgia, yep. And Mm -hmm. at that time, we also had Indiana had another guy from Georgia who's a very good basketball player in his own right as well, Joe B. Wright, who was already on the team. Yes. Yes. He was already there. So let's get to your first year playing basketball at Indiana. You're, well, I just a wanna...
0: real quick cool question of like not being able to play as a freshman after you've just been competing through high school and winning a state championship. Yeah. And now you have to go and, and you have to practice. You have to do everything the rest of the team does. But was it just maddening not to be able to play in games as a freshman?
2: Yeah, it is, you know, because you've done it your whole life, you know, and The one good thing about it, though, I would just tell you, yeah, it was tough. And, you know, one good thing is that the fans and anticipate they knew they had something and the way they treated us i mean mm. there was a sense of excitement because they knew we were better than uh the guys that they had on the team there so that was the only thing but sitting there and just going to class i mean without getting rewarded any was tough Rewarded means playing basketball what you like so all we had to do in class and so that was a tough deal but you know it's it just we knew it going in too
1: well indiana the year that you're sitting out watching it wins a total of seven games and goes seven and 17 not great not good at all and now you're ready to take the court and you and george take over the team and you really turn things around immediately i mean the the team has a a very good season and i think people especially today they look back at you know, oh, we need championships and NCAA tournament appearances, and that's how you judge success. But getting into the NCAA tournament back then was much harder. There were only 24 teams oh, allowed yeah. in. Only one yeah. team per yeah. conference was allowed in. That had to be the champion. Right. So what was your freshman – Your, your not your freshman year, your first year playing, your sophomore year? What do you remember from that year?
2: Well, I, and again, I'm being honest when I tell you, I just was really – disappointed because you had to think about things uh we had a good team we won more games but there were a lot of it was a lot of jealousy on the team with the upperclassmen that you know George and I were and so it was a lot of dissension between the teammates because you know they thought we were getting too much credit for you know what was going on and so you know nobody said anything that was an issue within the team itself but you know I just remember the time year we had a with Joby Wright, George McGinnis and myself we had an awesome front line and we had some guards but you know we you know George had a tremendous year tremendous year as usual but again as you say not being able to make the tournament was an
0: issue. It was an issue because we thought we were good enough to win the Big Ten. Well, I'd like to take a moment to talk about Lou Watson, what kind of coach he was, what kind of person he was. You were the first player we've talked to who, you know, won season, but you did play under Coach Watson and he's an enigma. So could you just enlighten us a little bit about who he was and how he coached? He was a good guy. He was a good
2: guy, but uh, a good coach too. I liked him as a coach, but he was more from that generation where, you know, as a team, we didn't focus a lot on defense, and we just going to outscore you is what it really amounted to. And we spent a lot of practice time. You know, that's what we did, trying to run up and down the court, and uh, you know. But I didn't really get a field where I learned basketball because, again, he was just a different type of a guy, okay? And uh, so, you know, and I didn't dislike him or anything like that. In fact, I did like him, but I just didn't really, I wanted to learn because of my development, it was a lot I still could learn, and I, I needed a teacher was what I wanted, so...
1: Well I, I don't know, and so I understand that I don't know if this is true or not, but I'll ask and you can tell us what you know or what you would like to tell us at the end of that year, uh, I heard that I've heard stories of the dissension that occurred in in the team, and I think that that I think people look back on that year and really kind of blame coach watson for how could you not win with george mcginnis and steve downing and joe b right. Wright. and i think people discount the fact that there was this dissension on the team that hurt the team from really gelling uh-huh. and coming together and i don't know if i think it's probably unfair to heap that on coach watson it just was this situation is that fair
2: no y- yeah, it's fair. We just had problems, internal problems, where we didn't get along one another. And I don't know if was a lot he could do that way. Right. But, you know, as a coach, too, uh, where where I did kind of look at him, I don't fault him, but, you know, what hurt team, too, was the lack of discipline. I mean, because um, he played guys who got in trouble or, you know, he didn't try to help because he was in search of wins, you right. know, and so... Again, his thing what he couldn't figure out really is how to get us all to like each other, the players. Right. Is what I'm talking about, and we didn't. I mean, he couldn't. We didn't like each other.
1: <laughs> so then I understand that some players on the team went to some professors at Indiana near the end of the year yeah. with some gripes about Coach Watson to say, "Listen, he's just not right. he's just not the guy." Um, yeah. That happened.
2: Yeah, that did happen, yes. Yeah. So those were upper-class guys, and to me, it really didn't – I wasn't going – I liked Indiana, but what I was going to do, and I would tell you, never came down. I was just going to transfer is what I was going to do because I just couldn't see myself in that type of an environment. And some of the upper-class, a couple of those guys, they went in, and they had this professor who was, as you say, was trying to lead them, tell we're going to boycott the, the plan until we get another coach or – uh, this and that, and so that that's that is what happened mutiny and, and I think mr or Orwick had to yeah mutiny, yeah Mr. Orwick had to do something you know because he saw all that talent, and you know he knew i was he knew I was going to leave you know wow. uh, you know, and so uh, I think he decided to make the change based on all he had because it was just it was just too much uh individualism so right.
1: And so then, uh, really right before the end of the year, Coach Watson resigns. Obviously, he he read the tea leaves.
0: We should note this is the year you record the historic first triple-double. That is true. In in a defeat of Michigan, 28 points, 17 boards, and 10 blocks to record the first and what was for several decades the only triple-double in Hoosier history.
1: Triple-double. That that triple-double lasted for 47 years. Until last year, Jawan Morgan squeaked by with a 10-point, 10-rebound, 10-assist game. (laughs)
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, I got to ask you, though, yeah. Steve, when you saw that, like when you saw that he got it, were you a little disappointed? Were you like, come on, it's just 10, 10, and 10? I mean, I got 27, 28. Yeah,
2: I, uh, to be quite honest, I was 10. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, yeah, I was, you know. And, and to do it, that that uh, I did it the hard way. To get 10 blocks yes. in a game is pretty Awesome. I mean, so yes, 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 I was a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how he did it, n eleven, and you know Yeah. So I think it was
1: 10-10-10. Yeah. That's what he got.
2: But but what you say saying to your point to uh I am shocked that it lasted that long when you consider all the great players that's played at Indiana.
0: So I played there, yes. Well, and, you know, who knows what, you know, probably number one, where you would be on all-time blocks list, if that's something they kept track of back then. But just the fact that they yeah. kept it for that game, like you just kept swatting them into the stands, and they're like, you know, we better keep tabs on this because something <laughs> special is happening. Um,
1: before, we, before we leave that year, I do want to ask you, because you're the first player we've talked to who played – in the new field house yeah
0: what was that like
1: what was the field house like to play in
2: uh it was a barn i mean that old field house was a barn i mean playing in there and they didn't have very many people uh coming in there games when we visited watch games in there you know they told us about that was the other attraction they told us they were going to build assembly hall that Uh you know before i graduated i'd have a chance to play in a palace and so That was a big factor, too. I didn't want to play four years in that old gym.
1: (laughs) With a sawdust floor?
0: With sawdust, yep. That's exactly right. When I was taking a tour of IU as a prospective theater major, they told me they were going to build a new theater, too. (laughs) And then they didn't, and I was like they, in his, yeah. his, his best-covered basement the whole time I was there, and then I graduate, and then they build a new theater building. Go back and get your master's. Well, maybe, maybe. That, that, that
2: happens. Sometimes they promise you anything just to get you there, and oh, then yeah. they don't follow through.
1: Um, well, I, uh, let, let's just be honest. If if Steve Downing and George McGinnis we're starring for an Indianapolis high school today. You'd get a, a lot more promise than a palace being built on campus. You'd get a, a palace built in your backyard. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: yeah. There'd be shoe companies flying in from all over. <laughs> there would be yep, a, there'd probably. be a,
1: there'd be a G four jet with your face on it, provided by Kentucky. <laughs> That's what would happen. Uh, so so Steve, the year ends. Coach Watson is gone, and the. You know, the biggest decision that Indiana University and best decision that Indiana University could possibly make is made when they bring in a young, fiery, hot tempered, disciplinarian coach from West Point named Robert Montgomery Knight. What did you know of him? How did you find out they hired him? And what was his reputation that you were aware of when he came in?
2: Well, well, when we got the job, I mean, I told you I was thought about transferring, and I was really, I mean, I really thought when they hired him because when we were in high school, uh, George and I, we were—I never will forget this—we're sitting at his house watching TV, and it was an NIT game going on in Madison Square Garden, and I said, George, wherever we go to school at. We don't want to play for a guy like that. So Coach Knight was yelling and screaming. I said, and and so, so they hired him, and I remember. I said, oh man, I can't play for this guy because we remembered him on TV, you know. And, and and no, they just when they hired him, they just announced it. We didn't know or anything like that. And so I really did. I called up a guy, I called up the guy at Butler University, and said, I got to get out of here. I mean, this guy's play for him you know so i remember that yes so we were looking i was so he so
1: you had he had the reputation you knew of his reputation because you had seen it on tv that he was a a crazy person yes yes i
0: saw him on tv yes so so take us through the decision process for both you and george because i imagine you're doing that step by step side by side on whether or not you're going to stay or go
2: Well, yeah, and it's the spring. We can't do anything after the season's over with anyway. And so I'm looking. I'm thinking about it anyway. Well, George, it, it was an easy he, – he he decided to leave, you know. Uh, he didn't want to even talk to him, you know. And, and his father – George's father passed away in an accident a couple of years before that. And so he wanted to do something to take care of his mother. And so that was easy for him to do at that time. And so he signed with the Pacers. But – for me it was a different story and so I had to wait anyway and um, somehow you know when Coach Knight came in somebody told him I was thinking about we all had individual meetings with him you know and Mm -hmm. I was scared to death to walk in that office and when I did I mean he said he told me I don't care you can leave you know we're gonna win with or without you you know but if you stay this is what's going to happen you know and he went through his program with me and you know I felt I knew he was a hard worker because I had a chance to meet Mike Krzyzewski. He had came in to talk to us, and, you know, he told us a lot of good things and how hard we were and what to expect primarily, okay? So I really thought he knew the game, and I thought because of what I had been through previous he was going to bring structure to the program. He talked about the discipline, and so he sold me over, and I went back. I said, George, George hadn't signed. I said, hey, look, man. You need to talk to him, at least talk to this guy, man. Uh, I think he's going to be really, really good for us. We can win here, you know. He said, no, I don't want to talk to him. So, you know, that's how that evolved. And so, you know, I stayed on.
1: And I want to talk about two quick things. One, the Coach K conversation. I was told that maybe after Coach K, well, at that time he was just Mike Krzyzewski, he came and talked to you, that you went up and thanked him because you were glad yeah. to meet somebody who survived four years Just under Coach Yeah,
2: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I told him that. That was the second time after I played, yes, 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 yes. That was his first year, actually, when practice had started. Yeah, I told him, I said, Mike, I just, hey, I just want to meet
0: somebody who made it through all the stuff I'm going through right
2: now. <laughs> yeah.
0: So share a little bit about what that stuff is, though. You you now have to adjust to the reality of Coach Night being your night, uh, your coach. How does that affect your life on the court and off the court?
2: Well, I mean, I. Uh, off the court, I was always tired. I mean, I never worked like that. Coach Knight was a, a stickler for details and, you know, was always in practice. It was constant motion and, and and very little rest, and they were long practices. And so by the time you played a game, you were just happy to be playing a game, you know, because they were a little easier than the practices. And he didn't really care. Coach Knight didn't care. I mean, he had his best players. Doing stuff that could get him hurt in practice, you know. He has, and he still did it up until the day. I mean, he quit coaching where he rolls a ball down the lane, and two guys had to dive on the floor after the ball, you know. And, <laughs> so, you know, and I and what I always did in that drill, I wait for somebody else to dive on it, and then I dive on top of him. <laughs> and so, and he and he noticed that after three days, and he said, "No." Now you keep going until you come up with the ball. You have to be the guy. Somebody dive on you. But they were intense. And I just, you know, you don't really appreciate it until you start playing and when you start winning. And that's when it takes on. Maybe this isn't as bad as, you know, what you thought it was.
1: Steve, I am interested in the aura of Coach Knight even back then. I mean, when he came to Indiana, he is young. He's in his 30s. Yeah. And he hadn't won anything. I mean, I know he did well at West Point, but he did not won anything big. And you even said, like, you were nervous to go talk to him. When you met him for the first time, what is it about him that is just intimidating?
2: Well, I always thought it was his eyes. You know, when you look in his eyes, even to the day, I mean, you know, because he, smi- he didn't smile at me, he didn't shake my hand, you know, he didn't do anything to put me at ease, you know, I mean, just to make somebody coming in for the first time, you know, to make them relax, hey, I'm not this bad, he didn't do anything like that, you know, in fact, I think he wanted me to feel exactly the way <laughs> I felt uh, about body, you know. But, uh, you know, he didn't smile. I mean, and he, I don't ever remember him smiling <laughs> the two years I played for him.
1: <laughs> well, I, I also want to get into your academics, because I understand that before Coach Knight got there, maybe academics for Mr. Downing weren't the most important thing at Indiana, and maybe that changed when <laughs> Coach Knight got in. Is that a true statement? Yeah. <laughs>
2: well from his standpoint it is true he think coach knight thinks he he got me through school he thinks he he not think i would have graduated uh without him you know but the reality i was i knew what it is my parents couldn't send me to school or they couldn't afford that i was going to graduate regardless right. i would have but the difference the difference is this okay and he said this to me, this is what he told me when I first met him, you know, he said, you're doing just enough to get by, okay, and if you do it like that in the classroom, you'll be that same type of player, and I can't use anybody like that, okay, I was a C student, I was just doing enough, like, like he said, okay, and he said, I can't use you. You know, and if you're gonna play for me, you're gonna to have to do the best. And so I ended up, I ended up a three-point student. I mean, and those last two years, I was taking major. I, mean, I was taking anatomy, physiology, <laughs> and so I was bearing down to get. Hey, got A's in those courses. I mean, that I normally would would have got a C in. And so what he did was. He made me be the best I could in the classroom. He really did. And I think that impacted the way I played on the court. And that's what he always told you know, would happen. And that's what I preach now at this school that I'm at right now with our kids. I have that same
0: philosophy with them. One thing we try to ask our guests who played for Coach Knight is to shed a little insight, maybe something we haven't thought about or heard about, about what made him such a great coach. What's what's something you can point to that maybe people don't know about and say, like, yeah, this is what separated him and made him one of the all-time greats?
2: Well, you know, I, I also worked for him for a long time at IU as an assistant athletic director, and I played for him. To and one of the things, and he, he's just like, and, and I'm just again, bear with me when I tell you this, okay, because I'll get to your point here. Because I had a chance, my friendship with him afterwards has been really good. I've been able to sit in a room with Parcells, Belichick, uh, Shim Backler, Lou Holtz, you know, because I was a young administrator wanting to know how to be good at our best. And they all say the same thing, you know. Uh, what Coach Knight will do is this. I mean, as a coach, he's going to sit in that room down there in his locker room. I mean, and he's not going to come out of there until he knows him everything about you i mean he's gonna be he's gonna but he knows what he's looking at too i mean other people can do that same thing okay but he can figure out exactly your weaknesses how to hurt you how to attack you and to me he has a work at and 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 what i'm saying is his expectations of you are the same that he has sets for himself as a coach, okay, that you do everything you're going to do. And that's what I've been impacted for as an administrator now. And I try to emulate all those guys I just mentioned because they all say exactly the same thing that they're going to sit in there, they're going to work, and they're going to work with their players. They're going to get to the norm to whatever, what makes you tick, what motivates you. Coach Knight didn't yell at me like he did, though, because I was a sensitive guy. He yelled at me, but not like he did Laskowski and some of those other guys, you know. To get, and that made me play okay harder, okay? The fact that he, they could take it. I mean, I was an extremely sensitive guy back
0: then. So, but anyway,
2: I hope that kind of answers it the, does. The, the question somewhat. Because he, he's a brilliant guy, Coach Knight. Thank we
1: you. we have talked to uh, some more recent players and some, some people associated with the program who talk about one of the great things that they do to recruit players is – get them on campus and then the first thing they do is walk them into assembly hall and see assembly yeah. hall and as a 17-year-old kid to yeah. look sit to stand on that court and look up and see the balcony and see the rafters and now the banners is just an, banners, it yep. is an impressive thing but We have never talked to anybody who got to walk into Assembly Hall for the first time that Assembly Hall could be walked into. The inaugural class. (laughs) What was that like, walking into Assembly Hall for the first time when you were going to play a game there?
2: Well, it was just... I've never seen anything like that before. I mean, personally, I've never been in a gym. It was an awesome gym. It didn't have the aura like you say now. I mean, because we didn't have the tradition in there. And uh, they've done a lot of things in terms of making it hard. I mean, for a opposing teams to play in in there. So, yeah, it was special for me. And, you know, we played, I think the first game was against Ball State. You know, and Steve Tucker hit the first shot in there. I mean, I can remember just coming out of the locker room that day, first game we played in there, and uh, just how uh, it just seemed special just to see that many people. We never had that many people because the other gym didn't hold that uh, many folks. So it was a special situation for me because it didn't have the – attraction like it does now
1: let's talk about that first game for a second because you you talked about the first shot made and you're way too humble of a human being to talk about the fact that on december 1st 1971 the first ever game played in assembly hall steve downing against ball state grabs 26 rebounds (laughs) which to this day is the record for most rebounds in assembly hall What what was that like? Do do you remember that, grabbing that many?
2: Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I do. It was a good (laughs) game. I mean, we won the game is what I I think is the most significant thing about it. We won the game. So, now, back then, I mean, and and you talk about, that's what I did. I mean, that was the only way, I mean, I wasn't going to score. I mean, Uh, a bunch of points. I mean, like that Coach Knight is the first coach that ever told me and I I remember and I thanked him for it. I talked to him Monday, matter of fact. He's the first coach to ever run a play for me that was designed to get me a shot. You know, I didn't have to get a rebound to to get a a score, okay? He ran a play. So, you know what? I mean, and I played with some good guys, too. I played with some good guys. So, you, you know, that's always important.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's talk about— Wait, wait. now yeah. you said Coach Knight never smiled in the two years you played for him. I find it a little hard to believe that there wasn't a little bit of a grin over a smile 10 days later, on December 11, 1971, <laughs> your unranked Indiana Hoosiers take down the dreaded number 7 Kentucky Wildcats in Rupp's last season as head coach— And you had a pretty good game. Now, now look, you fell short on the rebounds. You only got 25 rebounds instead of 26 in this one. So you were slacking a little there. But on the scoring side of things, you got 47. You got more than half your team's points in a 90-89 to double overtime victory. Was there no smiling from Coach Knight at any point in that game? No, I didn't. And you know what I remember
2: about that? is practice the next day, going to practice, watching film. He edited the film. He showed all my mistakes. <laughs> He didn't show me scoring a pass. You wouldn't have thought I did anything in that <laughs> game. You could have your man went around you. could have guarded he was showing all my mistakes on that thing in practice. We all thinking, hey, practice is gonna be good today, Steve. You get all that. He's not gonna find he didn't do too much. He showed all my mistakes from that game
0: in there. So Did yeah. you kinda love no. that though? It, is that kinda what you wanted because you knew you knew is. his end game?
2: I did, and really, the guy had told me, Mike, he had told me this, exactly what, the, he told me, and I, he said, this is exactly what's going to happen, Steve, you're not going to get the know him until you graduate, you're not going to see him laughing, smiling, or anything like that, but when you finish, he'll do anything. That he can to help you out later on. He wants you to be the best. So I already kind of knew, and I didn't think that in practice after that Kentucky game that he was going to be praising me or saying anything special like that. I mean, I I didn't. I just knew it wasn't coming, you know. Although, you know, and it's kind of true. When we got beat by UCLA, um, you know, he did come over, and, he, and that's the first time he ever said anything after the game at the hotel. You know, how, that he was really proud of what I've given him for two years. You know? Wow. He didn't smile, but he just, <laughs> he just told me how proud he was.
1: Well, we're definitely going to get to that UCLA game in a minute here. But I, I have to share okay. a quick – this may be urban legend, but I think you're in good company with that story of after your incredible game against Kentucky. There's a great story of when Coach was coaching the U.S. Olympic team And Michael Jordan played for him in eighty four. And there apparently was some game where early on, one I think maybe the first game, where Jordan just destroyed everybody. I mean, just (laughs) crushed everybody and in the first half. I mean, had close to like a triple double in the first half. And Coach didn't know what to do because he's like, well, what the hell am I going to say to these guys, right?
2: right? How are you going to keep him centered?
1: Right. <laughs> so he comes in, and he just starts laying into Jordan in halftime, just laying into him. And Jordan is looking around like, what are you talk. I scored 20 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. And Coach said, yeah, but I didn't see you set a damn screen on anybody. Screen. <laughs> 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 so you are in good company. Very good company.
2: Oh, I know that. Yes, yes. Well,
1: oh, yeah. One thing I want to ask you about this year, I heard, I mean, you ended up having an incredible year. You scored 17.5 points and average 15.1 rebounds a game. Just an unheard of statistic. Incredible season. But what might make it even more incredible is is you alluded to some of the um long-term problems you had with some injuries because of uh your knees and the growing the growth spurt that you had. Right. I heard that that year you played hurt most of the year and and even wore a brace for much of much of the year on one of your legs. Oh
2: yeah, 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 even that Kentucky game I just hurt my knee that you were talking about. Uh, you know, I had a br- heavy brace on that game. You know, I just I love the game. I wouldn't I wouldn't think about not playing. I wanted to play. You know, I played every minute of that Kentucky game, even in overtime. You know,
1: right. I heard you played Man. every minute of a
0: 50-minute yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and and was there the kind of vitriol uh, again? I mean, clearly you and George. Uh, punished the high school Kentucky team when you were all stars, but was the Indiana Kentucky rivalry pretty ferocious back then, or because Indiana had been irrelevant for a while, was it not not so vitriolic?
2: The rivalry was always there, but Indiana just wasn't a factor. And our fans just really wanted us to beat them. You know, that's that's what that was all about. They just were so thrilled. I mean, because we beat them in Louisville. And so to go down there and
0: beat them like that was kind of significant. It really was. Now, Joby Wright uh, was, was a star senior that year. And you have such a great year, kind of bit up and down. You guys end up losing five straight. You fall out of the rankings. You get to the NIT, but yep. you you lose to Princeton. And, and Joe B. Wright is drafted by the Supersonics. Did you think at this point maybe you would step away too? Or were you no. – you knew you were coming back? I knew I was coming
2: back because I had had knee surgery. My knee was – I had knee surgery, and so I knew I was coming back. You know, I had a good year. I mean, a good junior year. I mean, but I was hurt. I was hurt, and I had to get my knee squared away. So uh, that was good. But the best thing that came out of that that year for me was the fact that, you know, we were able to be successful, and I did it without McGinnis. Right. You know? I mean, I've always had him, you know, and that actually proved that maybe I could be a factor in helping a team to win. That was a significant thing for my junior year.
1: I was also going to say, I mean, we – Indiana fans of recent years have are constantly talking about the transition from one coach to another. We had to do it with, you know, when Coach Knight left and Coach Davis took over, and then when Davis left and Coach Sampson and on and on. Coach Knight takes over, and I don't think this can be overstated. Coach Knight takes over a team, as you talked about, that Coach Watson, which was a leftover from the Branch McCracken years, was an up-tempo, up-and-down team. And Coach Knight comes in and changes all of that that i mean it's yeah. a totally different system and loses one of the greatest basketball players that has ever played the game yep. in George McGinnis. Yeah. And you guys yep. had yeah. basically the same amount of success a little bit more you made it to the NIT tournament but yep. to yep. to do that in one summer to change over a culture of a team is remarkable and really sets you up for what's going to happen the next year. Happen. Your Next senior year. year. Yeah. And I want to talk for yeah. a second before we get into the success of that year. I want to talk about the incoming class of players that you had the pleasure of playing with. You have Quinn Buckner, John Laskowski, Steve Green, Jim Cruz, and Tom Abernathy, which really forms the core of what leads to the 75-76 glory years. What can right. you tell right. us about that? those guys and what they meant to to you as an upperclassman what they meant to Indiana.
0: And what your responsibility was as an upperclassman towards showing them what Coach Knight wanted.
2: Well, he did. When I became... uh... One uh, well, of the co-captains at that point, and I hadn't played, I kind of knew what to expect, and they were looking for me, you know, to show or lead the way, and I mean, I tried to do it the best I can, but they were good role players, too. You know, Buckner was a tremendous player, but the rest of those guys were just good guys who played hard and fit into the system. They bought in. I mean, and that was really good that uh, they bought into what we were trying to do. And because we had success the year before, that made it a little bit easier uh, for them because they all played a great role in that senior year, 72 year.
0: So uh, it all worked out. Now you guys get off to a 14-2 and start and you're ranked number five, but then you lose three of four. And I feel like, you know, this team obviously is an excellent team. Things go well later. But did you feel like the wheels were coming off there at all? What what did Coach Knight do in that stretch to, to help you guys turn it back around and, and finish like you did?
2: Well, I think what he did really, uh, and, and of course he'd probably say something different, but I think the best thing that happened for us is he pulled back a little bit. I think he just – I mean, he was driving us so hard – that, I mean, we were trying hard. I mean, and I don't know that we were enjoying it as much. I think he took a lot of, we didn't practice as hard, okay? He pulled back. He gave us days. So he did things, you know, he didn't really, he saw where we were at as a team, you know, and he talked to us more so than screaming at us, yelling us this way. And I actually thought that was a turning point that he backed off of us a little bit. And, you know, we responded. I mean, I think he was just wearing us down, to be honest with you, at that point.
1: You have some incredible games that year, including against Illinois on February 12, 1973, when you go for 41. Uh, I mean, ju- your your senior year, you're averaging twenty, almost 21 points a game, 10.6 rebounds a game. Are, is there a point in this season, or maybe it happened before, where you're starting to think of, oh, I can be a professional basketball player. This is going to be a career for me? Yeah.
2: No, I I never thought that really, to be honest with you. My goal was because I wasn't that type of a player. You know, I just I really do think playing with McGinn those are the best things that happened. Uh, Coach Knight utilizes people's talent in the best way. I just never thought that. I, and I'm and I'm telling you this too. I'm I'm serious. My goal. I was going to be a teacher. I was going to graduate, and I wanted to be a teacher, a high school teacher. That was what I was going to do. Never thought about playing professional basketball or anything like that. Uh, you know, I just didn't think I was that type of a player. You know, at that point, you know, wow. uh, I just didn't think my skills rep. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really. And so I was shocked as anybody. You know, to get drafted, I really did. And Coach Knight told me that he said, "Hey, look." I think you're going to get drafted. Uh, I think, you know, they, they called me because he never tells you anything during the season because he wants right. you to focus on that. But he had been talking to uh, 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 the Suns and because and he had friends there and, and the Celtics about myself in Atlanta. And so, no, it wasn't really something I thought about. I would have been a teacher and been just as happy. So,
0: uh, Coach uh, Knight does get you guys back on track he eases off and you guys go on to win the big 10 championship that year how much did that mean to you personally to the team and to coach knight oh well it meant a
2: lot to him because i think as much as he to have success he hadn't he hadn't had the success doing it his way you know and to me that just kind of solidified his philosophy um, even after our, our junior year, because we beat teams that we that had, I thought had much better talent than we did, you know, and that his system works. My senior year, we beat a Houston team that was loaded with, with pro players. I mean, and so, uh, yeah, I think it just kind of solidified him and just kind of his status as a coach, you know, was just uh, stamped, okay, uh, that this is the way to do it. So I think it was a turning point going to the – final four and us winning the big 10 like we did uh for him yeah because we hadn't done it either and a while the school hadn't done it
1: the other thing you did that every indiana fan would just relish if it could happen today is you beat kentucky in the pre-conference schedule and then you meet them again (laughs) in the regional final on march 17th and the winner gets to go to the final four what do you remember from that game to get to the final four (laughs)
2: Well, you know, we'd beat the night before. We'd be a really good uh, uh, Marquette team, too, you know. And, you know, we just weren't happy Because
0: Marquette was better than Kentucky that year, right? They they were. They were. They were. I thought they were a the better team,
2: actually, more talented team, most likely. But, you know, Coach Knight had convinced us we could win down there, you know. And so, uh playing Kentucky was a different challenge they didn't have the talent as Marquette did but they were a rival and we beat them once you know we got to beat them again now and, and it's tough to beat a good team twice like that so yes we were very happy
0: to win that game fortunate too Now was there as much insanity uh, like heading towards the final four back then as now were you like is the final four a thing and you guys are like we're going to the final four or is it more like well no you just get a to play next weekend and that's then maybe you'll win the championship
2: now what i remember so much because we hadn't done that i mean uh, I, I remember when we landed at the airport at the coming from nashville at the Beaten kentucky that whole week was just uh, that the atmosphere was electric i mean where we had to, so many fans and reporters i mean people coming on campus uh you know it was just this is what came to Indiana four four years ago. I mean, and this is a fulfillment of a promise kind of say, okay, that this is what everybody expected or wanted anyway, and now you accomplish this, that you're going to the final four. And so uh, for me personally, I just had to It back to me because I won a state championship. Now I'm going to have a chance to play for a national championship. And it was just, you know, as a captain, I just, it it was the best feeling that I've had. It really was.
1: All right. So now we got to talk about this game that my dad and my uncle have been telling (laughs) me about since I can remember. Some people get little uh, nursery rhymes read to them before bed. Not me. I got, (laughs) let me tell you about the worst call in the history of college basketball. You're playing UCLA, and I know Bill Walton, blah, blah, blah. Walk us through the play that you know I'm talking about.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it just really just, and again, Bill Walton got in foul trouble. I mean, in that game, you know, uh, as great as he was, he got in, I mean, he was a better athlete, period, than me. My only advantage on Bill Walton was that I was stronger than him. I was stronger. He couldn't hold his spot. I could put, put he got frustrated trying to hold the spot, and he got into early foul trouble. I mean, if he don't get in foul trouble, they beat us by 50. But they had a 20-point lead on us at halftime, and so the second half, he's in foul trouble, and so we're catching him, Okay. And so what I – and I remember this. I mean, God, it's on the right side of the lane, okay? I'm guarding him. I'm on defense, okay? And so I push him off the spot, you know, and he just gets so mad. I mean, he gets the ball, and he just just swings around on his left shoulder. I'm standing right there. I'm right on him, and he just knocks me, and I'm, I'm sliding across the floor. I can still remember that, Okay. I mean, he goes in, and that would have been his fifth foul. He had four fouls, and I'm just laying on the floor. I said, "We're gonna win this thing," but I see the referee. I look up. He's running across the floor all the way. He's got his finger point now, and you know, and as he gets closer, that finger's going through me. It just feels like that, okay? And so, anyway, yeah. But it ended. Up, that was my fourth foul, it wasn't the fifth foul? You know, that would have been his fifth foul, okay? At that point, real we have come back from 21 points down. Now we're like six. Six or seven points, you know, and if he files out, well, Swin Nader can't play against me. I mean, that's why we, you know, we play. I mean, I'm just right? let's just tell you, I'm not, and I just felt we would have won that game if that. I mean, he and it was no, he was frustrated. Walton was frustrated, okay, and he just knocks me down. I mean, I've watched that play, uh, but. Either way, I mean, yeah, yeah. And I've never forgotten that. I mean, every year I relive that play when they go in through the Final Four. I mean, <laughs> when I'm watching it on television, have you you that.
1: Have you ever had a chance to see Bill Walton in the years since? And did you ever? Yeah. And What what was that conversation yeah, I like?
2: You file, uh, I mean, He doesn't like Coach Knight, first of all. Right. I mean, he doesn't. And uh, I've talked to him. Yeah, it was a foul. It was a foul. You know, it was a foul. You know, you foul. Hey, he used to always. You're a bully. I mean, means the first bad person ever called me a bully. You know, he t- he tells me I'm a bully. You know. No that I didn't play. But, yeah, I don't think it was much love, I mean, anyway, because, uh, you know, they asked Wooden after the game, Coach Wooden, well, what do you think if it had happened, you know, uh, if they have called that foul on Walton, you know, and rather than him just say, well, we don't we want it anyway is what he said. Yeah, you sure. Know, I know that just really upset
0: Coach Knight that he would go that way. But, you know, that's, that's fine. Did Coach Knight ever share with you guys – his feelings on how UCLA ran their program back in the day? Not as a player. He didn't do that as a,
2: when I played for him, you know. But after I played, you know, we talked about it. You know, he and I in a room together, you know. He shared, yes, but not when I played for him. He didn't. He never said anything like that. And he didn't want to build up, you know, any excuses anyway, you know, the, any doubt in our mind. But, you know, we, we all kind of felt that way.
1: The season ends. You win Big Ten MVP, the first Indiana player to win Big Ten MVP since Archie Dees in 1958. You have clearly established Indiana as a national program again. You have brought along a group of freshmen and sophomores who will be the core to lead to two of the greatest seasons in the history of college basketball in 75 and 76. And you are drafted in the NBA, and you talked about how you were shocked by it. But then you get to go play in the NBA and play for the most storied franchise in the history of professional basketball.
0: And to set it up, the GM is Red Auerbach. The teammates are Don Nelson, Paul Silas, Paul Westball, (laughs) and Hondo, John Havlicek. That's the team you're walking into.
1: Give us a little bit of what that was like for you, Steve.
2: Well, and I knew all about them. You know, I visited – when I got out of college at uh, the season, I went out there, and I, my childhood hero was Bill Russell, you know, growing up, the guy sure. who I wanted to emulate because he blocked shots. And, you know, I met him. He was at the game to talk to him. It was just awesome. And I think that was a little thing. I was just so in awe. I mean, I shouldn't be with these guys, you know. I mean, a lot of the guys I played with in college, they went to teams, you know, where they could feel a roar. They get a chance to uh You know, develop as players, and I don't think I ever really had that chance because those guys were great. They were good guys too, really good guys. But it was just awesome feeling just to know all those players you just mentioned, and plus Mr. Arback too.
1: And you don't just play on the team; you win an NBA championship. I mean, (laughs) what is that like? You went to you win a state title, you go to a Final Four. And you win an NBA title. What? Just give us a little bit of what that feels like.
2: Well, it's a, it's a dream. I mean, I I couldn't I can't say it's a dream come true because it's not. I never dreamed like that. <laughs> I never thought of anything like that. That's just something that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And, and you know, uh, how great can it be? You know, the the, the you know doing your career to play on those types of teams, high school, college, and, and pro. And the guys were really nice. And, you know, I just I really, to be honest with you, my career there, I, I just wasn't really good enough to play like that at that level. And, and I knew that. And so, again, the guys treated me well. But just to have the opportunity to, to get an NBA, and I still wear that ring. You know, yes. you know I many guys that don't have that
0: ring. you know? What, what so, a, great way yeah, to, a great way to find out you're not quite good enough to have like a long career in the NBA you just get up there for a little bit win a championship and be like you know what all right guys I'm gonna leave this to you and now I'm gonna go back and uh find myself working alongside coach Knight again well but before
1: that coach Knight if I'm not mistaken coach Knight calls you in 1977 and actually asks you to be a coach for him is that correct
2: yeah he did, and you know what, I wasn't smart enough to figure out, you know, at that time, you know, and I and I just, I never told Coach Knight no anything, never, you know, whatever he thought, because I, I just had that kind of respect for him, and he called me and said, you want to be a coach, and well, I got visions of, you know, at that point, I'm married, and you know I want to have kids, and I didn't want to spend my life. I saw how those guys worked you know uh under him, you know his assistants, and I just want to enjoy myself more so than be tied down under that stress like that with him, you know, I mean, because he's so demanding, and, you know, if I had to do it all over again, I probably would do it differently, because, you know, Mike Krzyzewski, guys who play, you don't have to coach like that, I mean, you can coach, I thought you had to coach like him, you know, and I'm not that (laughs) type of a player, If, if you know what I'm saying, you know, he called me for a whole week, every night, for a whole Oh, well, you think about it. You think about it. You know, I never told him no, you know, and then he hangs up on me, you know, because he was frustrated. <laughs> he called me back the next night. You know, he never introduces himself, tell you who it is. He just starts talking to you. <laughs> you know, he calls, have you, have you thought any more about that? Have you thought any more about this job? I said, yeah, coach. I talk with my wife, and I just don't think this would be. No, you need more time. Bam. He hangs up. So <laughs> I went through that, and. So finally, he said, Hey, I didn't hear anything from him about six months, you know. Then he calls me up and he says, Hey, one of our assistant athletic directors had left. You talked about getting an administration. Is that something? I said, Absolutely. And so I go down there. You know, I get hired as an assistant athletic director. And the first week I'm there, I'm on the basketball court. I'm working with the big man, you know. <laughs> that's what he, uh, He's got me on the court working. Well, but then the NCAA changed that. Yeah. They, they made a rule that same that you couldn't do that anymore. So, and yeah. uh, that sh- was the best thing that could happen. I could be an administrator.
1: Yeah, they probably called it the downing rule. I have a feeling they got a phone call from yeah. Indianapolis. It's an anonymous tip uh, on uh, Bloomington.
2: Uh, <laughs> you know what? Either way, it was the best thing that happened to me because I didn't have to go down there with those players anymore. I wanted to be an athletic director. Uh,
1: I want to ask a quick question uh, to go back to Lou Watson for a second. Mm-hmm. My understanding yep. is that, I mean, obviously, it didn't end great for Lou. He did not have a great career as a head coach in Indiana. We should say he was a tremendous player for Indiana playing for Branch yep. McCracken, and he was a tremendous assistant yep. coach for Branch McCracken. It just didn't work yep. out for him as a head coach. And it nope. ended. <laughs> go ahead. No,
2: I, I would just say he was, they, they hired him, uh, he was a facility event manager, and when I got hired at IU, you know, my, the first day I walked in there, my office was right next to him, you know, and I was so nervous, because I hadn't seen him, you know, since that time, and he walked in his office and said, hey, I'm going to do everything I can to help you grow as an administrator, and I don't hold any, I mean, he was really, really good, and I, I appreciated that about him, I thanked him for doing that.
1: I also am curious, do you have any sense of what Coach Knight's relationship was with Coach Watson? Was there a, a respect had, there?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He liked him, you know. He liked him, and they got along. I mean, they went to lunch, they fished together, they had a great relationship.
1: I mean it's just oh, staggering. Yeah. You I think had about no it, idea. And and I think it's one of these stories that gets lost in the in the history of Indiana basketball. There is no situation that I can think of in current times where this would happen. A coach is fired basically. I mean he did resign, but he was forced to resign. Right, it wasn't right, great. Yeah. There was acrimony on the team. New coach comes in, the old coach stays on and actually helps the new coach kind of have a transition oh. in and they respect each other. It's incredible.
2: But they- Oh, it was. And he told me, Coach Knight told me, oh, yeah, he helped me. He introduced me to people. He told me who I could trust, who I couldn't trust. And, oh, he had a healthy respect for
0: Coach Watson, very much so. Well, yes. and it's one thing where with with what we do love to do here is is try to connect the different eras for our listeners for ourselves see where there's overlap and and sort of bringing a unity of the family together mm-hmm. and I think it's it's mind blowing to me to know that these eras now from coach McCracken to coach Watson to coach Knight they all overlap and interlink and that there's really no separate epochs right. of each of each program there kind cool. of is right. now um, words but I, Ward's well using done. big
1: words epoch that man my god he's really showing <laughs> off his vocabulary isn't he steve
0: that's it that's all i got i mean i i I'm, I'm over here with a thesaurus wait wait okay this is from the guy who just threw acrimony out at us okay steve so uh, well, what's he doing what's he why's he get busted my chops about this <laughs> so steve okay. Oh. You, you are an
1: assistant athletic director for 20 years, working alongside Coach yep. Knight and the athletic department. I know this is an impossible question, but I don't want to take up too much more of your time. You've been so generous so far. Okay. Do you have yeah. a single best memory of being the associate athletic director for 20 years? What what When you think back on that time, what sticks out to you?
2: Well, it was a good time. Obviously, I wouldn't have stayed there that long. And I enjoyed working with Coach Knight. Uh, We had a lot of fun. I mean, you know, and that's the thing I learned about him after I played. Mike told me, you know, I'd get to know him in a different light. But I enjoyed that. I mean, he made life fun, and he did a lot of things for me uh, to help me personally along the way. Indiana's been good, and I have no regrets that way. You know, I stayed there that long only when I had chances to leave because I wanted to be the athletic director at Indiana. But uh, it didn't work out that way. But my best memories with Coach Knight is they always had this tournament. We had this Indiana Classic tournament and we played in Bloomington. And the Friday night or the Thursday night before the tournament on Friday, we always had the coaches' meetings. You know, with the three head coaches, and he always tell those coaches, hey, this is Steve Down. He introduced me to him. all three. He'll do anything. He's a great administrator. You're going to work with you because I was in charge of the tournament. And he's my boss, and he's this, and he's that. Wow. You know, I'm great to have a boss like that. Yes. But then he put his arms around me, and we walk off, and he tells me, if you screw this up, I'm going to fire your ass <laughs> on Monday. This is what he does. That's my <laughs> I'll fire you. Now he tells him I'm his boss. We're walking away when he's telling me that. He's got his arms around me. So that's, that is something I think about all the time.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, now uh, the end of the run comes at Indiana University for, for Coach Knight, and uh, ultimately you have a decision to make there too after he is fired by Miles Brandon. Yes. Can you take us through the actual firing uh, how you heard what your reaction was, and how you ended up deciding to leave IU as well. And, and you're on the inside
1: at that point. Are you trying to fight for coach? Sure. Uh, against what oh, seems? Yeah. yeah. Oh us- no, no,
2: I was trying to. I was trying to fight for him all I could. Talking with, I talked with vice presidents, and you know, uh, I was definitely a, a coach Knight guy, and you know, and I just felt like after he, because he told me himself, you know, I talked to him and you know before he told the team and you know that he said hey i just got fired and this and that and so uh i felt a little bit uncomfortable there only because uh i thought that anybody who was close to him was going to be the next person out the door it wasn't anybody closer to him than i was and you know uh, and so again, he said he didn't know what he was going to do at that point in time, And so I was just working. Nobody told me I had to leave or anything like that, but I didn't feel the welcoming spirit either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just hung him and did my time around until he got hired at Texas Tech, and I was hoping, because I didn't really want to go to Texas Tech. I mean, I was hoping he'd got something a little more user-friendly, <laughs> basketball, you know, but it didn't work out that way. And he asked me to come down there, and, you know, I did the exact same job at Texas Tech that I did at Indiana. I was a sport administrator for football, basketball, and track, and uh, soccer. So it it was a good deal for me going down there. It was a learning experience. And so I just felt bad for Coach Knight because I knew how much he loved uh, Indiana because I went to, you know, he took me out to the place. He bought all this land where he's planning on building his house and all of that and I just you know, wasn't a lot I could do to help him. I didn't have any power to help
1: him at that point in time. After you're with him at Texas Tech, walk us through how you get the opportunity at Marion and how that came to you to finally now your career is such right. an interesting one because you were kind of in Georgia Georgia's sidekick, you know, back in high school and your first right. year in Indiana. Right. You Joe B Wrights the star your junior year, finally your senior year, you get to be the star, but it's really Coach Knight's program. You then work yep. for Coach Knight as an associate athletic director, go to with him to Texas, but now you get a chance to be the guy. How did that opportunity come about and just kind of tell us what that meant to you to reach that point in your career? uh... to be the the guy that uh... is not reporting to anyone it's your show
2: yeah well it was something i always had confidence and i knew i could be uh... uh, athletic director in fact you know for me uh... i passed up jobs division one opportunities to stay at iu because as i say that was the job i really wanted but i knew once he got fired and so I went to Texas Tech just because career-wise, I thought it would be really great to have worked at a Big Ten and a Big 12 school if I ever wanted to do that. And so what speed? I was happy doing what I was doing at Tech because, uh, you know, I was working with Coach Knight. But when he retired, he retired and, and hired his son. And, um, you know, I just didn't have the same relationship with, that I had at him. And so I just started looking, you know, at that point, once he retired, Knight retired from basketball. And so, you know, I had a friend that called me up uh, and said, hey, Steve, great opportunity out here at Marion University. And... uh, you know, with athlet and it was a chance to come home too. And so again, Coach Knight called the president here for me and uh, you know, I, I can be happy. Uh, you know, and besides the size of school to me. I'd be just as happy if I were AD here or if I was at, you know, UCLA or anywhere else, okay, that fact that make a difference and that's what I've always tried to do, make a difference in kid's life. And so I'm out of school now in the inner city and I just think I have to have a big impact on these young black males in this city. and uh, I'm, I couldn't be any happier than what I am right now because well, I am making a difference in people's lives out here.
1: Yes, you are and I've read countless articles about the impact that you've had, not just on the school with the championships that you went through, but to your point and and the thing everyone says about you is what really gets you going is not the winning in the championships. It's the, well, it is the winning, but it's winning with the individuals making an impact on these individual yes. kids' lives and, and doing for them in many ways what Coach Knight helped you do uh, at Indiana and, uh, and the life you've lived. Uh, so, congrats.
2: Yeah, that, uh, that's, that's what Steve
0: Downey's all about right there. They couldn't describe it any better, guys. Right there. And we'd be remiss uh, to let you go before we ask, you know, are you still a fan of IU basketball and, and do, you, do you follow the program and what do you think of what Archie's doing down there?
2: Yeah, he called. When he got the job, he called me. First thing, you know, I want to get you and George down here. You hadn't been. You know, uh, what I like uh, about them, I just don't have the time. I had 26 sports here. You know, what I was really feel good about, they played us last year at an exhibition game. Archie did. You know, uh, Cream wouldn't play us. You know, I tried to. And so, um, that was a big deal for us, and so the money we made. And so I'm really appreciative of that. And, yeah, I think that once I retire, you know, I will be more of a factor going down there. But I've only been there
0: twice, I think, since I left this school, okay? Wow. Uh, but some of your heart is still there, yeah? Yeah. Oh yeah, I've spent 20 years there as
2: yeah. an administrator, 24 as a player. Absolutely, I love, and I still have great friends down there, you know. But I'd be lying if I told you I still it still bothers me about Coach Knight, you know, the way he exited the place too,
1: you know. Totally. So
2: no, but I I'm not bitter or anything like that because he I just talked to him Monday. He's moving back there. So. Yes. That I help, yeah. I, I uh, th-
1: this may be a little selfish, but I have to tell you, uh, Ward said it earlier. Part of what this podcast has become over the last less than a year has been us connecting different eras and and recognizing the people that built Indiana into what it is. And you are certainly one of the key components of that. We're doing a live event in Bloomington on November sixteenth, where we're having a bunch of former players that have been on our show come back. I know Uh you're crazy busy, but if there is any way that you can make the drive down on November 16th, we would love to have you as our special guest there.
2: Well, what... What you need to do is send me some information on it, okay, when I it will. is you got my email address. Send me some information on how long and or whatever and I'll see if I can make that work out. I love IU. Absolutely I mean I have nothing, you know. Life is too short to be carrying grudges like that, you know. So uh I spend a lot of time now. I love the school.
0: Well and do you see with... if I can
2: do it, I will do it.
0: Uh, we Great. would love to see you there. We we think there would be at least one of your old okay. teammates or two. But I just wanted to finish up with you said you just talked to Coach Knight. Of course, he's moving back to Bloomington. Do you really see this as a point in time where the Indiana family stretching all the way back you know, to you and hopefully before to present day can kind of come back together after the fracturing that occurred when he was let go? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I do that. And I expect he will probably go to a game this
2: year. I saw him at a baseball game in the spring when he was here, you know. And so, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Coach Knight, what had happened when he was here in the spring is he thinks that people don't like him, you know. And he has such a good experience here in the spring where people, when he go to dinner, everybody, Coach want to take pictures with him and all of this stuff that, you know, I mean, I'm sure that played into his decision to move back there because he, in his mind, think people not going to
1: want to see him. Uh, well, if he came back, there would be a 20-minute uh, standing ovation for him. Not, I not know. a dry
0: <laughs> eye in Assembly Hall. And, and I have to say – Yeah, but, but if, he yeah. – Go ahead. Well, go ahead, well, Steve.
1: Well, I just said he doesn't really
2: – he, in the past – I know the time down at Texas Tech, whenever we talked about Indiana, I mean, you know, I couldn't, I've always thought what you just said, that the outpouring would be just tremendous. But in his mind, he hadn't always seen it that way.
1: Well, I can understand that. Uh, I mean, it was a, obviously a difficult time, and, and uh, those right. those kind of things cut deep, and they don't go away, And as we've seen. They haven't gone away in, in a couple decades. Yep, uh, yep. Steve, I I just, in wrapping up, I got to tell you, I, I was nervous for this interview, nervous more than I have been for any of the other ones, because your name has just been talked about at such an elevated status in my life since I can remember. And as I did research, and Ward and I did research for this interview, there is no one that I emailed, texted, or talked to who said anything less than unbelievable things about who you are as a person, what you were like as a player. And in talking to you just for these 90 minutes, I feel like they understated it. You are so humble. Right. You are an incredible representative of Indiana University and what Indiana University Hoosiers are supposed to be. And I just cannot thank you so much for giving us the honor of talking to you for this time and sharing your story with us Thank you Steve. Well, we want to see you back in September. Thank you Hall. And, I,
2: and you will and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me guys, okay? Thank you so much.
0: Who's your hysterics? Who's your hysterics?
1: Wow. Just wow. I mean, I'm a little emotional about that. I just uh, I just absolutely loved hearing a guy who's had success at every level of basketball and athletics and professional um, achievement since he was 17 years old, be that humble and that open and that honest and just like a real guy.
0: Well, and to play alongside one of the all-time greats and to be like, yeah, I was good, he was great. And like, in his mind in The relativity of his mind, because he was playing with George from the time they were kids, he, he wasn't that. And, and he actually wasn't to all of us. He is in that .001% of freakish athletes who goes on to not only be Big Ten MVP and, and go to the Final Four and play on a championship Celtics team, but in his mind, he was just good. He didn't even say good. He was an, oh, yeah, I guess he said, good. I'm an, I was an okay player. <laughs> yeah. And so then to be like, I want to be a teacher, you know, yes. and, and and then he ends up being an administrator in academics, you know, and being able to influence all those young lives, that it's clearly never been about ego for him. It's been a commitment to excellence, and that's why he stayed to play for Coach Knight and then to work alongside Coach Knight. He just wants to be he, – he competes with himself, To be as good as he possibly can be.
1: And with life. I mean, it's like he competes with... When you heard him say how important it was for him to be making a difference in these young black men in Indianapolis, that is... It's just... That's what it's about for him. He wants to make an impact in their lives. The championships and
0: the wins, that's great. But that's who he was growing up. And his key out of there to this amazing life he's just shared with us was a Commitment to excellence in the game of basketball, and ultimately, he got there with academics too, thanks to Coach Knight.
1: Yes, and and uh, well, and thanks to his parents. I think it's, I think Steve would say, oh, right, right. Uh, yes, let's yeah. let's not give
0: Coach Knight well, too much credit but he on this. He was coasting as a C student, right? Right, and Knight got him to commit to the same level, not just good enough. But No,
1: Coach showed him what it meant to demand excellence of yourself.
0: One thing I didn't necessarily want to bring up with him because he's been so preoccupied having his amazing career elsewhere, but did you notice the parallels between the kind of coach and program Lou Watson had? And Tom Crean? Yes. Yeah. Like, all offense, don't worry about defense, yeah. uh, iffy culture of maybe players, at least at times, and then and then the parallels with this young buck archie coming yeah, in going disciplined. discipline discipline and defense yeah and, it's true and, no and, there's definitely parallels to be found I, I i i hope archie ends up with the same kind of success yeah. <laughs> we'll take half <laughs> of it yeah half right one and a half one national third. championships we'll take one third of <laughs> yeah. it what's the over under on archie national championships one <laughs> Well, One you could, you could say point five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's point five. And and I'm taking the over. Okay,
1: great. Um It was just so cool to hear a guy that I've I mean, I've we've all heard his name since we were born and and never had a real connection to viscerally, because there's not a ton of video nope, on it. You nope. don't see YouTube clips on it. Nope. They didn't win a national championship. The
0: first Videos, images, pictures—you really remember seeing some black and white photos of the Van Arsdale's, sure, and George McGinnis, and and maybe, a little bit, and maybe Steve Downing was in those pictures, but you don't really remember that. Walt Bellamy—I've seen some yeah. highlights, but really, it's the mid '70s IU teams, just after Steve left, that you have the your mind's eye has a real grasp on.
1: Yes, and I love that steve downing everything leads to something else and steve downing was the senior when that group of players that became the core for the 75 76 team with obviously the addition of scott may and bobby wilkerson and 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 others and kent benson but he really was the bridge to establishing indiana as a power going to the final four competing on a national level beating kentucky consistently on a uh, on a yearly basis
0: well and and the kind of character right now now coach knight had to come in and get his guys but steve downing was a knight guy who happened to already be there you know and i'm sure that's a big part of when they went in and talked but you know what that was though they were indiana guys
1: steve was an indiana kid downing was but i'm but saying- so was
0: mcginnis no, I agree. You know what I mean? Like, but I'm saying there's like, a
1: character to those kids growing up in Indiana, especially at that time. It's blue collar. It's work your butt off. It's Steve Downing came from a family of 10 brothers and sisters. It's understanding that basketball is a bit of a metaphor for life, even if you don't have the perspective on it for when it happens. But it's about teamwork and putting the team first. That. When a team is built of Indiana players, as we've seen with various coaches at, at Indiana, it works. It's going to work for Archie. It worked for Coach Knight. When Crean had a bunch of Indiana guys and focused around Indiana guys like Jordan Hulls and Yogi Farrell and Cody it, Zeller, it, it worked. Well. It and when well. it
0: didn't have it, it didn't work. And it brings to the point of why did Coach Crean lose the state? Well, I think we just heard a great example. He wouldn't play Marion. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I know. No, I no, th- no. He, no. Look, I was laughing, but you're right. Yeah, because it's like now Steve Downing is talking to us on our podcast, and I guarantee you he's talking to AAU coaches, high school coaches around the state, and says, Archie's taking care of us. He's looking out for me and my program. He's getting us a lot of money and a big-time game.
1: And let's let's talk about what that means exactly for people who might not understand the specifics. That game is basically a buy game. It's an exhibition game last year. But in Indiana is paying Marion to do that game. There's a financial benefit for Marion.
0: It's a huge windfall for their athletic budget.
1: Yes. And for Archie to reach out and tell Steve, I want you and George back down here. And to do that, he could make the exhibition against anybody. It's phenomenal. It makes you feel good about Archie. It makes me feel even better after being at the camp and having the good feelings that I felt. You hear more of this kind of stuff, which is great. And... The fact that Crean didn't do it, I give Steve credit for not going nuts on him a little bit on that. We will. It's criminal. I mean, it's just, it shows a lack of respect and a lack of. Valuing what
0: Indiana basketball means. Well, and we've talked before about does Archie have that rah rah personality in the press conference that would maybe be helpful at IU? Well, Coach Crean did, but it was just, it was really just lip backed service, up by nothing. Yes, you correct. know, and and that Archie maybe he doesn't say things as spectacularly or as soundbitey. Or as
1: bombastic. Yeah, Yeah,
0: but he's doing the work on the ground and apparently has been from day one. You know, here's another example of that. And the ripple effect and the foundation that that's building throughout the state where coaches and parents are going to feel good about their kids going down to Bloomington for a guy who really goes, you know, immediately and pays his respects to guys who were there before coach Knight, even
1: yeah and and a guy who played one year at indiana and in george mcginnis no i totally agree and not the names that everybody talks about that won national championships the fact that he's doing that makes you know or makes you feel good about the fact that he's doing it for all the people like right. he's clearly doing it um you know, we talked to Kitchell a couple weeks ago who definitely had other feelings about the administration, but again, Kitchell did not say anything negative about Archie.
0: Right. It was the process to get that higher. And you know what? I'm not going to defend the
1: the athletic department for how they handled that. If you come out publicly and say you're going to interview Indiana guys, then you better interview Indiana guys. If you're not, then just don't say it publicly, you know? So we'll, we'll leave that. I think Kitch has good points there and they're fair points and it's but, his perspective. But have
0: nothing to do with what Archie's doing.
1: Right. And, uh, man, I just love talking to Steve Downing. I like want to call my dad and uncle and just say, I just talked to this guy. I'm sure you will. Yeah. And it was a foul. It was a foul. Uh, <laughs> it was a charge. It, it was a charge.
0: He's brought it up to him later.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which is great. And I love that, that Walton's kind of an asshole about it too. Uh, like, no surprise there. Yeah. Any. Um, yeah. Man, you just, you just can't help but root for a guy like Steve Downing, am I right? You just want success for them. Now I'm going to check box scores for Marion this year.
0: I mean, I've got to say, there's that part of me that's like, if there comes a time Indiana needs a new athletic director, I hope it's Steve Downing.
1: I know. I mean, we know nothing about how that stuff works. Not but at all. yeah, I'd love him to be the athletic director. You know,
0: I mean, just a guy who's had that level of success at Marion, um, he's an IU guy through and through, that it's it's the whole idea of even seeing, you know, Mike Roberts back on the bench, Derek Elston there, you know, the guys who came back for the fantasy camp, that maybe Steve Downing, you know, maybe he decides, you know, even just to retire and be in Bloomington more or with Coach Knight around. It feels like there is a little bit of a groundswell of these guys from these different eras coming back and getting back together. And hopefully the Hoosier Hysterics homecoming can be one Little drop in that bucket of bringing all these different players and fans from different generations together.
1: Hope so. Uh, more updates to come on our Twitter feed. Follow us at Hoosier Hysterics, no vowels and hysterics. Uh, email us at Hoosier Hysterics at gmail.com. Uh, November 16th is the event.
0: Some of you uh, write in your comments that you've introduced this podcast. To your friends and family. Thank you very much. That's really the only way people find out about this. Obviously, coming to the Peaks page, but beyond the Peaks family, it's you sharing this podcast with your friends and family is why it's growing. And thank you. That means a lot to us.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much. And we'll see you on the next one.